Welcome back to A Woman's View here on KSL News Radio. Such a pleasure this week to have Mary Richards with me, church news reporter. Dr. Delena Tonks is here, executive director of Mountain Heights Academy. And Dr. Tamara Sheffield is my guest, senior medical director of preventive medicine at Intermountain Health. I just was so interested when I read this. And this was an opinion piece from the Salt Lake Tribune. And the headline is, social and political problems are partially a result of STEM education. I thought, how can that be? So the subheadline is both public education and higher education seem more dedicated to producing capable employees than to producing good citizens. And that, you know, I thought about my feeling about education certainly is a very, that education has value in and of itself, because the only way you live in a democratic republic is if the citizenry is educated. And that does mean about more than tech, as important as tech is. Dr. Tons, this, this is an, an education-related issue, so I guess I should start with you. What do you think? Well, first of all, I've got to give a shout out to my uh, humanities professor mother, who has taught at BYU for the last 30 years or so, who would absolutely agree with this. And there are some very interesting strands in this article that deal with ambiguity and the complexity of systems and economies and communities and problems. And and there aren't always black and white answers, which is where that STEM and math track wants to take you. Two plus two equals four, right? And there's, there's no ambiguity to that. It's concrete, it's not abstract, but the ability for our populace to be able to engage in the messiness of, of ambiguity, I think is highly important. I heard a keynote speech a while ago talking about solving for space. And I think that these two things go together really nicely. Uh, This keynote was given by one of the first astronauts on the, the edX space mission. And she is an artist and a poet and a scientist. And so she's very well balanced. And her comments were, we have to lift our eyes and we have to solve for space. We have to look at what the economy is going to look like if we have a population or a community on the moon. And what does our currency look like? And what does our Uh, What does our community building, what does city planning look like in space versus having our our eyes toward the the earth and the things that are already in existence? So my comment on this to sum up is there has to be a balance and, and that the tolerance of ambiguity is such an important piece of education. Uh, and that can't come by only teaching concrete things. We have to pull in the abstract, the artistic, the subjective to produce a well-balanced, educated populace. Interesting. Dr. Sheffield, what, what do you make of this? You know, I did quite a bit in the STEM education side, but I was torn between both because I so loved my English and humanities and and philosophy and all that. I had a wonderful teacher in the chemistry department who he would put the kids through their paces of always asking them, okay, what was the latest good book you read? And why was it a good book? I mean, he would, you had to answer those questions. You had to have, I mean, I would see him on campus years later. He said, okay, what's the best book you've read recently? And that's um, brilliant. That's yes. And he, so just making sure that we did keep that balance. Um, I, I love Don Gale. He's the one who wrote this editorial in this in the Salt Lake Tribune, and I just respect him so much um, for too. all of his, his good years of advice. But I do disagree to a certain extent that we still have a high differential in terms of male and female STEM and STEM education. And so I would probably say, you know, we shouldn't be doing less STEM for at least females. We need to continue to encourage them to get that mindset and and learn those skills. 
but maybe we should be doing more on the humanities and looking at different philosophies. I don't want, I, I worry about these, uh, you know, the trend in education to say we're only going to teach a certain type of philosophy in our, our higher education things. I think every viewpoint needs to be discussed and we need to challenge each other and talk through and debate and, and find out what is best for us in our communities. That's brilliant. Mary, how do you see this? Yeah, I'm kind of nodding along to both of these women as they speak. And I think back to my days at BYU, I was a humanities minor. And so I probably had your mom as a professor, Dr. Tonks. And that just warms my heart because I loved, loved those classes at BYU. I just felt so enriched by learning more about the world and how people saw the world and interpreted through music and arts and theater and film and all of those things. And and that's kind of what I, I try to seek with my children. You should have seen me over the winter break. I'm like, have you read this? Try this book. And these are things my boys never would have picked up. And they were like, what? Why would I read that? You yeah. might like it. <laughs> it's a good one. We can talk about it afterward. Uh-huh. And, and those kinds of things. Um, I don't think anyone needs to be forced into, I mean, there should be definitely some exposure and learning and a class. But if if it's not for you down the road, let's not, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm yeah. trying to think about my one son who I'm just keep trying to have him go this route. And I'm thinking he's probably going to make money coding, you know, and that's awesome. That would be so good. And here I thought he'd be doing this over here. So um, there's something to be said for learning from so many subjects and then really knowing, because if, if you don't know about it, you've never been taught about it. How would you even realize that could be something that could change your life and, you, and if you never even were told about it you know what I mean so just rambling as a mom <laughs> how do we you know Mary I you've got me thinking about something because I consider myself a lifelong learner I'm just curious about the most bizarre crazy things and I'm always wanting to read articles and books how do we do more in our in the younger years to help students want to be lifelong learners, because if all I knew now was what I knew when I graduated from high school, I wouldn't know much. (laughs) I learned most of it. Uh, After that, I don't know, Dr. Tongs, what what comes to mind when I say that? Yeah, I I think it's really important to have a a start broad and end narrow. And what I mean by that is in the elementary years, that exposure to the arts, to the STEM, to the coding, to all all of the things to get a, a sense for what you're A, competent at, and B, interested in doing, right? And and to keep that spark of curiosity alive, oftentimes it gets tamped out because of the, the rigidity of the requirements. And that's, we don't want that. We want to um, foster an environment where kids have the time and the flexibility to be able to, to look after their curiosities and to, to shepherd themselves through those high school years, narrowing their focus on their the things that they're interested in. Uh, some of our students, they aren't developmentally ready to know what they want to do at the end of high school. They might need a couple of years to figure themselves out and to figure the world out. And I'm a big fan of the, the college readiness, including the career readiness. Like, let's look at the whole broad spectrum, and then you can narrow, narrow your focus when you're ready to do that. Brilliant. Let me, let me take another quick break, and we'll be back with my wonderful guests here. This is A Woman's View on KSL News Radio.